Welcome to What's Their Ad. This is episode seven. And tonight I'm joined by Andreas Metaxa, the super snake, formerly the super slutty snake. Hi, Andreas. Hey. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy yachting schedule <clears throat> and mezcal tasting to be here. I wish. Wish there was more of that. <laughs> it's all a facade. Well, I'm um, glad you finally revealed your face. It's a good face. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do something a little different for the first time, and I'm really excited with this super slutty steak. We're going to play a little Never Have I Ever. Oh, God. And we're going to do it with liquor. I got us these silly little tequila bottles. How cute. No branding unless they're sponsoring, but they're cute. One for you, <laughs> one for me. We don't mention the brand. Should I, I mean, I'll cover it up. <laughs> no, I'm literally, I was literally kidding. Uh, you can oh, we mention. can cover it up. I don't mind. I'm so kidding. Mention it. Hey, cousin, he goes, we love you. Sponsor us. Um, so, yes, I prepared. <laughs> I'm glad you got me the Reposado. Really? I had yeah. a feeling. I was like, I feel like tall men like Reposado. Interesting. Yeah. yeah Just right. an observation. I don't know. Um, Could okay, be right. So. I might allow a little pre, pre-taste. I'll join you. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Mmm. Reppy. Okay, so Reppy. if you've done it, you drink. Okay. That's how it goes. All right. Never have I ever paid for Nobu. Paid for Nobu? Oh, my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> Lucky you're not drinking because you've consumed it many times. <laughs> Never have I ever had to clean playa dust out of my hair. Never been to Burning Man. Never? No. How were you able so to? So drink. <sighs> How People are, you, are shocked, but I've never been. How are you able to create those really popular hierarchy? I just memes? guess, I guess. You're just that in tuned. Cheater. I mean, it's like once you see a thousand stories, you kind of get the idea. Totally. Never have I ever paid for a Coachella artist pass. There we go. I got it. I'm yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Never have I ever spent... Half the month living on a yacht. <laughs> I know that one because I met you on a yacht mm-hmm. in Capri. One of That's the correct. most beautiful yachts I've ever seen. I wasn't paying for it, so no flights. Ayo. See, you're on my train. Exactly. It's nice once in a while. Yeah. Never have I ever bought an Azul bottle for my sticky club table. This is unfair. <laughs> I feel like this is one-way traffic. It's targeted. Yeah, it's mm. definitely targeted. Feel free if you have any fun ones to throw at me. I'm 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 quick. That's okay. No. Never have I ever sipped champagne in St. Bart's. Never been to St. Bart's. So drink. Okay. You definitely have. Mm-mm. You haven't? I've never been. I've been. Oh, invited. you've never been. Oh, you just wanted to drink. Okay. Yeah. Good. I've like literally that. never been. Okay, those are the prompts I had for you. You don't have any for me? Off top. Um Never have I ever been to Mykonos on a promoter trip. <laughs> he just went for the jugular. Let's. That was disrespectful. Can I swear? Yeah, of course. Let's fucking go. <laughs> okay, I, I think you I want to ride that. into that one. Drink the whole bottle. No, because you've done it like fifty times. So no, drink the whole thing. I've done it twice. <laughs> hmm. For the record, payback. I haven't been in three years. Doesn't count. 
And every year I've been invited and I didn't go because I'm I'm grown up now. I'm a grown I think I've definitely invited you before, so I'll drink to that. Um, speaking of inviting, if you ever actually do your Joe Dispensa seminar trip, I really do want to come. That is a yeah. trip I would love to go on. 100%. I'll let you know. We're, we're upgrading everyone. We're growing up now instead of raging and making mean conian clubs all night we're gonna go to the jungle and better ourselves growing up growth it's okay, about well, time that, yeah well that was a little fun game and feel free to oh, i'm gonna finish mine yeah. yeah he's a big man so andreas i did some light stalking and by light i mean i read every article that you've ever been in i even set a google alert you're extremely interesting and fun to read about. So I'm nice. excited. I just had to preface that because I didn't want you to be alarmed at my fervent metacularity. Metaxillary. <laughs> metaxillary. I made that up. You like are that? You, are you neologizing? What's that mean? It means creating new words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I am. So the internet likes to refer to you as the high society memologist. You give people inside access into this celebrity socialite party circuit scene mm -hmm. right you make fun of the frivolous amounts of money spent on seasonal events the people who spend it and the well-dressed cattle who flock to them mm. and the best part is you are at the epicenter of this very scene i'm occasionally debatable sprinkled in as well yes debatable that's literally yeah. your whole friend group no come on now um i wouldn't say the whole friend group i definitely have you know, I have like, like party friends mm -hmm. and acquaintances, and mm -hmm. then I have real friends. Fair. You know that you mm -hmm. can have real conversations with, and a lot of them are not interested in doing that sort of stuff. And I think surprisingly, I'm not as involved as you'd think. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm just bored of it. But You've done it for a while. Yeah, I mean, I started. I started kind of traveling and going out when I was 18. So in Europe. You know, yeah, or everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so you grew up in it's London? a good 15 years. Grew up in London, um, but I have an American mother and Greek dad. Mm -hmm. So was, you know, always in the US or, or Europe. And, um, you know, you get exposed to that at a, at a young age mm -hmm. in the kind of circles that I grew up in. So, yeah, it's been a while. And I think, you know, although the landscape has changed, people change and the music changes and whatever, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. So you get a bit bored of it, but yeah. unfortunately I've kind of made myself a slave to it because I write about it for a career. So, um, I have to kind of still stay in tune and, and be, be there once in a while. So I dip in and out. No, you're definitely in tune. You, you create like indisputably pertinent comedy. Um, you're very good at what you do. Like you just masterfully observe the world really well i, I know mm. it's not easy I, I do a lot of graphic design work and i write too and i you you definitely found an incredible niche and do a great job at it yeah i mean it's something i think i would i would always do it um but up until i obviously started making the memes and doing the instagram it was just something that i would i would like entertain friends i would do impressions and, and tell anecdotes about experiences I had and, and and just be the kind of the clown at the dinner table with friends in London or wherever. Um, and then kind of by accident obviously created the page and I was like, okay, this is something that makes sense because I'm very, I'll go to a party and I'll be that guy that's just watching everything mm -hmm. and 
not being that weird guy in the corner that's no. like kind of like voyeuristically <laughs> checking out everybody but i notice dynamics very fast mm -hmm. and i read people very quickly um so yeah i mean it's kind of like without meaning to sound arrogant it's kind of like you know in, in a beautiful mind where he just like starts writing on the yeah you know on the board or on the on the glass wall mm -hmm. or on the on the window mm -hmm. um that's how i feel when i go into like an la house party i'm just my brain is on overdrive just analyzing everything that's going on mm -hmm. and so that means that i mean you've probably come up to me and tried to speak to me and I, my mind's been like racing a little bit but it's yeah it's difficult for me to have you know um dumb conversations in those yeah. environments because i'm like analyzing everything well, so this whole thing came from a bet right with your friends who could create an account and gain the most followers yeah i don't know how the the conversation started but we were we were at dinner and we were talking about memes and stuff and and we were obviously drunk and the two friends opposite me were saying if we started a meme page we would like get more followers than you and me and my friend next to me we were like no chance and so we just decided to start accounts the next day as a bit of fun and it was like whoever has the most followers in three months wins the bet and so the next day we, we created the page and um so i never this is not like a career intention or something that was planned it was very much random it's like you tomorrow deciding to go skydiving and then becoming a professional skydiver it's like you would never i, I would was not expecting it but that's where the most fun paths come from just out of hobby yeah. and passion and silliness mm -hmm. i saw you only had the account for six months before car delavine followed and it like took off yeah i mean i think it took off in in london mm -hmm. i think it took some time to take off in the u.s um but then it, it kind of quickly switched where like us was the main market cool. but yeah i mean i i've always i've always known about what was going on in la new york miami without actually having like too much exposure exposure to it like traveling there frequently mm -hmm. but i just knew kind of what was up well yeah because this so, circuit consists of the same exactly small scene of like two thousand people that attend all the fashion weeks yeah all the major events and just travel in unison to tulum mykonos um ibiza <laughs> yeah pretty much uh, it's yeah it's tragic but it's yeah it's <laughs> literally like the same maybe 2000 is accurate but it's a, this a say the same concentrated group of people mm -hmm. that travel around the world and i always find it bizarre because people go to bali let's say you know for an event or for a, like a you know whatever it may be and you see the same people that you see in la or that you see in new york or that you see in london <laughs> and i always find that hilarious when people have gone such such lengths to go somewhere exotic and they're surrounded by the same 10 15 people that they know from home yeah um, there needs to be a good balance it's fun when you see familiar faces everything within I within reason i think like i i i mean i'm often striving not to see familiar faces mm -hmm. like i'm doing probably going to do new year's in sydney Wow, because i know that i'm going to be surrounded by you know 99.9 percent .9 of the people i will not know mm -hmm. and i find that exciting totally some people find that daunting but i kind of enjoy it no me too i love meeting new people and shade aside i mean even this whole scene i think everyone just does it to make extravagant memories everyone wants to have fun no or you think the motives are more pretentious um i mean i think fun is definitely a big motive but i think people are doing it for career related reasons like social climbing or career climbing or clout chasing or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um you know 
people are trying to find husbands, people are trying to find wives, people are trying to find girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it may be. Like everyone has a different intention. So mm. I wouldn't say fun is the only kind of a pillar of, of this world. I think it's a bit more than that. Like a um, social status. Because I've seen people that see it as work. They see, wow. you know, traveling, being present as as work. And I have to say, even with me, all of the contacts that I've made pretty much in my life and for my career have been through going to nightclubs, parties, yeah. events, mm-hmm. w- you know, and meeting people. Kind of so same. as much as it's um, occasionally, you know, a bit depressing and not the most amazing way to spend your time, you do meet a lot of people. So it is a good networking thing. So in your opinion, like a trip, you know, daddy, the one picking up the check, mm. what are their motivations, you think, to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on oh, the daddies trips. that are paying yeah like you for example don't don't group me into that <laughs> i'm just messing um well we have no choice right it's like i can't most of the time i can't show up somewhere and just be like hey pay for me it's just it's just yeah. not realistic i think mm-hmm. the world revolves around um beautiful people but especially beautiful women that are allowed and permitted to kind of do as they please because that's they offer something that a lot of people are are desiring and whether you're straight gay whatever i think everyone always wants to have beautiful women around regardless Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a very valuable currency within the the scene Mm -hmm. and that's something that i don't obviously have because i'm a male um, so I'm forced to pay for everything mm-hmm. or, or pay my way in. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I have friends that invite me places and, 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 and that happens, but a lot of the time you, you have to pay and, yeah. um, it's just how it is. I understand paying for yourself, but like paying for big groups of women, it's just to have. No, you don't have to do that. Okay. So yeah. when you're paying for big groups of women, um, <sighs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I used to do it when I was younger because I thought it was cool. I thought it was... So status. The yeah, look. I thought it was a status thing. I, you know, I was conditioned principally by my father to think that that was the right thing to do. I mean, he used to criticize me if I'd go for dinner with men. He'd say, where you have to go for dinner with women and not men. Is that a Greek thing? No, it's just his thing. He's just um, a very interesting person. But he, yeah, he would say it was like shameful if you're at dinner with, with men and there were no women there. so i think i think a part of part of me was kind of conditioned by that and by my upbringing um but you know i'm not going to say it's not fun of course when you're when you're young you you're desperate to kind of get involved and and start um becoming you know important or seen in your social group i think Mm -hmm. it's just it goes back to you know cavemen era Mm -hmm. you want to be like the leader of the tribe and you want to be an important member of society you want to be seen and respected and sadly in that world going to dinner with a bunch of girls makes you relevant and important and people want to get to know you because of that so and of course it's it can be fun sometimes but it can also be soul destroying so it depends on the girls it depends on the girls it depends on the company um but yeah i mean i used to do like promoter dinners in paris and it would it would be terrible because the girls were all Eastern European. They couldn't talk English and everyone's miserable. Yeah. And you're just, <laughs> Not you're, you're the schmuck that's paying you and your friend. And <laughs> yeah, I had some funny stories. I mean, we, we used to do promoter dinners and you know, the guy would like stand up at dinner, the promoter, and he'd be like, you know, I just want to thank my, my 
you know, dearest and closest friends. And he'd say Andreas. And, and then he didn't know my friend's name. So he'd be like that guy and that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be this like grand speech, like thanking his closest, nearest and dearest, but like didn't know my friend's names, but we were like the sponsors paying for dinner. So yeah, I, it can be funny. And when sponsors. you're with your boys, like these were my, my, my friends, my closest friends from London, you just turn to each other and you just laugh and you're like, but that, I think that's a lot of the foundation for what I do with the page is like yeah. is personal experiences. Yeah. You're good at making everything funny. You review that world well and make it funny. Did you? You've got to. Yeah. Did you, did Super Snake start that meme starter pack craze? No, I don't think so. But I, um, it wasn't much of a thing when I started, but I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it here, here and there. And I just thought it was such a great concept and a format but I definitely definitely wouldn't say I started it but the one thing that I did definitely create is the long caption because I'd never seen that before Mm -hmm. and I and I did some thinking it was actually in Bali funnily enough and I was I was I was with my brother and he he didn't want to help me with the post because he usually he would help me sometimes with posts he would be my sounding board and I think he was a bit sick of me and so I kind of went into my room stewing and I was like I'm gonna write this really long caption about not not about him, but about this scenario that I had in my head. And I wrote it out on notes on my computer and I was like, oh, this is way too long to post. And I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to post it with the meme. And that was the first time I did it. And people really liked it. So that kind of became my thing. And, and I'd never seen that on Instagram before because people were always doing like the shortest and, you know, caption was always a chore. People had the content and they were like, what the hell do I put underneath the picture? But for me, it became... You know, you have such limited space on Instagram to show yourself. And I said, okay, you know, obviously I'm putting the picture up. Why not use the space below? It's just as important as the space above. I completely agree. Um, and back in the day before Instagram turned into TikTok, it was important. Now they couldn't care less about the captions, but it was just another way for me to kind of express myself and my art. Well, you like comments. writing and you're good love, at writing. Yeah, I learned to love it. I learned to love it. I was always, I mean, I never knew I was good at writing. When I, was at, when I was at Oxford, we had to learn how to write, um, but it was kind of laborious writing that you didn't want to do. It was, you know, like long essays and dissertations, and I was doing so many of them, but it, it conditioned you on how to write correctly. So my grammar is very good. You just weren't allowed to make mistakes with grammar. It yeah. was just a non-negotiable. If you made a mistake with grammar, it was like, this essay is irrelevant. We won't even read it. Because you said you got a Bachelor in Language Arts, right? I did, uh, yeah, I did modern languages. So I got a, a, you know, undergrad degree from Oxford in modern languages. In French and Fren- Greek? French and Greek. Wow. So did you already yeah. know how to speak them before Oxford or did you learn? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, my Greek was okay. It wasn't perfect. My French was better mm-hmm. um, because my dad um, lived most of my life in, in Monaco. So as French speaking. So we'd always go there from when we were young for holidays and, and spend a lot of time there. So my French got better through that and through school Great. and then my greek because i would speak to my dad and my sister and, and whoever but through oxford it got a lot better so your dad and sister you guys all grew up speaking greek that's so fun Are you guys well my cool? sister is my, my half sister so she's 100 percent greek oh wow. so we tend to speak mostly greek together or english depending on on the scenario and then with my dad i try and speak greek as much as possible to because practice. i like to just yeah i like to keep it up because if I'm not in Greece with my Greek friends, I I tend not to speak it. So, yeah, I, I speak it here and there. But for instance, tomorrow I'm seeing a Greek friend 
and we'll speak some Greek. Wow, that's but so it just fun. it depends. I speak Indonesian with my um, little sister that I grew up in Bali with all the time. Fun. Yeah, she's one of my best friends, and I call her my little sister. That's cool. I'm excited. I'm going to Bali next week. Well, actually, Saturday. I'm in jealous. like two days. I'm jealous. I miss Bali. Yeah, I'm gonna have an adventure. Super crucial for my next part of my growth. So the Super Snake account. How long have you been running it? Um, I started it uh, December 2018. Oh, wow, that's longer than I so, thought. So, yeah, we're approaching, um, you know, five years of of content. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, making fun of a very restricted, um, you know, sele- selection of themes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't change that much. Are you running out of ideas? I wouldn't say I'm running out of ideas, but I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting tired of posting on Instagram. So I'm I'm kind of in a phase right now where I'm just figuring out how I can revitalize myself and re-energize my creativity. And that's probably going to be doing more video, doing more sketches, um, maybe launching a podcast. Amazing. Because um, everyone's doing one nowadays. But Whoa, like, a burn. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm burning myself. Um, but I want to, yeah, I just want to like be excited again because I, I'm very excited by what I do in, in my TV work and music and whatever. But it's you know you get sick of posting memes on instagram i mean it's like i've been doing it for five years that's a long time a lot of people don't continue doing something for five years i mean they give up after a month or a year or whatever so to be dedicated to something for five years is is tough and your engagement's still really good like you don't even hide your likes is it still gaining followers like actively um i mean it was yeah i mean i i don't post that much anymore um i want to post more but the algorithm has changed. So I don't grow as much as I used to. But I think a lot of people are encountering that. But I used to grow like 5 to 8K a month. Oh, wow. Uh, like regularly. And then all of a sudden just plateaued in the last year with the algorithm change. And um, which is a shame because it used to, Instagram used to value content like Vine. And now it doesn't. It well, wants. what kind of video would you do? The stuff I'm doing already, sketches. So I like I like doing proper sketches. I don't like doing... Like as an actor. Yeah, so I've done a bunch. I haven't page. even seen them. Well, bad research. I'm I'm actually really sad. There's okay. a ton on there. I mean, I just posted one like last week. Of you acting. Yeah. I think maybe because the cover didn't like. No, a lot of people that. a lot of people like don't even see them. I don't so that's another reason like why I'm a bit annoyed with Instagram. Yeah, right I followed you for a long time as well. The reach is has been cut. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, it's weird. Like we did a video uh, last week with a with or two weeks ago with a Greek comedian friend of mine here in LA, cool. and it exploded on TikTok, and it did terribly on Instagram. You know, so it's it's just weird because yeah. you're like, well, the piece of content's clearly good if it's doing so well on TikTok, but Instagram it just it just barely got seen. Well, that's so it's, it's good okay. That you have both. Yeah, so I'm doing more of that, more sketches, mm-hmm. but I, I you know I don't do like silly tiktok style content i'm not asking people what they do for a living and all that bs it's like deeper more interesting sketch comedy it's prepared it's filmed correctly yeah and maybe there's not the algorithm doesn't want to promote that but i know that by continuing to do it the right people will see it and then other opportunities will come so and i want to get into acting really Yeah, yeah i did my first audition before the summer actually first ever for an hbo show yeah do you have an agent no you just got this audition? Yeah, they DM me. They DM me. Wow. 
Wow, they DM me so and I, I almost got the part. I was very close to getting the part. Without any training. I've never done an acting class in my life. Wow. It's yeah. just really meant for you. Wow, that's so beautiful. I can't wait to see how this turns out. It I really, I really enjoy acting. I, I kind of I can allow myself to, you know, just get into a state and become somebody else. And and I enjoy the process. I enjoy filming. And I've had a, a bit of exposure to it doing the sketches and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would love to like be on a set and and do something more meaningful. Be but I need—I think I need to earn the right to do that through the projects I'm doing already, and then maybe just give myself a role in one of my shows. I was going to say, why don't you write yourself in? Well, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me. That's exciting. Yeah. Wow, you're just so good at everything. So are no, you? No, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying it. Would you? Are you able to talk about any of the shows you're writing or developing? Yeah, I mean, I um, I've already pitched a show, um, which was a really good experience. Um, like pitch, you know, being there on Zoom calls with you know the execs from Netflix and HBO and Amazon and Hulu. Really, and, and that quick? Paramount. Yeah, yeah, that was my first one that I that I wrote, and it was a really good learning experience. And then I have now three shows in development, um, one animated show, and then. Um, one which is like an unscripted scripted hybrid and then another one which is a scripted so yeah it's it's fun and i i enjoy doing it it's a very long process yeah but um You're busy. it's very rewarding um and it's fulfilling yeah. it's fulfilling me more than than social media is yeah so. i i read that you were working with happy madison it's a big yeah deal. so the first show i pitched was was with them co-developed by them and and village roadshow which is another big production company and Incredible. they um also, my partner's on the animated show, which I'm very excited about. And yeah, we're in a very exciting process right now because we're starting to animate the characters and put together like a little, what's called a sizzle. Of animation? Which we'll, yeah, like a five minute, three to five minute sizzle, which we'll then pitch to, you know, all the relevant streamers and, and hope that it gets bought. So. Yeah, I read that you love South Park. Was that, is that kind yeah. of the animation aesthetic? Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, like developed or a little bit more, um, 3D. Than, yeah. Cool. Cause South Park is very basic and mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. South Park is my favorite show of all They're time. Like 2D. It is my, my biggest inspiration. And, um, I don't know. I think it's the reason that I am in this business in comedy because it was really, I mean, I got into it very young mm -hmm. and my mom was a bit unsure about whether I should be watching the show, but then she... She was like, I'm not sure if you should be watching this. She sat with me for five minutes and she started laughing and she was like, this is so funny. Yeah. And so, yeah, she let me watch it. And that really shaped me. Because um, they're really good at social commentary. Exactly. And I thought they did it. I, I thought they nailed satire in such a fun and interesting way. And, and I grew up kind of on those shows like that and Monty Python and some shows in the UK that you probably haven't heard of, like Bo Selector and Trigger Happy TV and Little Britain and stuff like that. And um, that's why I love the satire device so much. I think it's kind of dying out in the modern era, which is really sad. But I want to keep doing it because I think it's uh, important and valuable. I think it's if if it is dying out, I think it's because everyone's so sensitive. It's like you can't say anything anymore. That's that's the reason. I think it's also because people don't understand what the art is. So I always use the same example, but sometimes to make fun of a particular type of person you have to become that person and pretend that you're you know embodying them and personifying them and therein lies the humor 
people don't get it. People are like, you said a bad word. Mm. You said this, which is derogatory towards women. Or you said that, which is whatever. And it's like, no, no, I, yeah, I said it. But as that person to make fun of them, that's the reason you do it. Mm. And that's the, that's the art of, of satire. You're effectively putting on their mask and ripping them through pretending to be them. And I think it's just, it's too, it's not such, I think America doesn't understand it as, as much. It's very conditioned in the UK because we like, that's, that's what we grew up on. Most shows are satirical, but here that's a constant thing I'm having to deal with is like, you know, trying to, you know, reason with meta or Facebook for why something has get, you know, posts has get, has got taken down because of a certain phrase or whatever. And I'm like, but I'm making fun of that person. I'm not glorifying them. Yeah. Um, but that's the problem. I think social media doesn't understand it. So yeah, absolutely. it's it's tough. So I just continue to do what I can do within the framework of what social media allows me. But TV is my way out. Yeah. Because I know that I can do what I want on TV. You're, you're growing. I think you're right to expand. Did you ever think that Super Snake would grow to be this big ecosystem? Like you have your no, own definitely clothing not. line and you collab with big brands and you do live event coverage like really and you have a you had a podcast for a bit so it's really grown to be an ecosystem no of course you never imagine that um especially because it it wasn't like i sat down and and created a business plan and was like yeah. this is what i'm going to achieve in year one and year two it was very much just this random thing that i just did because i found it funny but i i mean i had a, a job i was doing it alongside a job and um it was just a bit of fun. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's now what defines me. Like when I, when I meet people, it's not like, oh, you're Andreas. It's like, oh, you're that guy that does that thing. It defines every, every part of me. And, and I never really expect, I mean, I traditionally like growing up, I was, I was Andreas and that was just me. And now you, I'm that guy. I'm not saying like that guy, like I'm like LeBron or something, but like <laughs> you're, you're defined by what you do for work, which a lot of people aren't. People aren't like, oh, you're Corey. You're that girl. It's I like, get that all you're time. just, oh, you're maybe Corey you do. Caught you. Okay. So there we go. So like, I don't mind. I love it. Thank you. But it, isn't it interesting? Cause art. most people, most people don't get that. Like yeah. if you're working like in a law firm, they're not like, <laughs> oh, you're James, the law guy. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. you're just, you're just James or whatever mm. it is. Um, so that's weird. Do you want to be Andreas again? You want to be known as that's Andreas. Um, Metaxa, I just actor. think I'm like I'm misunderstood by so many people, which is a problem. And I think it's like because because like I said, people don't understand what I do. They don't understand the art of what I do. Do you get a lot of hate? Yeah. Really? So you've made quite a few enemies with the Super Snake. I don't know about enemies, but I know that I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to put it in the in the correct way, but people people misunderstand what I do. And they think I'm this like monstrous guy that's like tearing everyone down. And, but it's, that's not about that. It's mm -hmm. like, I think if you, I mean, oftentimes I've had to just like send someone like the Wikipedia or dictionary definition of satire. And I'm just like, just read this mm -hmm. and then come back to me. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, yeah. it's just, that's like the nature of my art form. Just yeah. like a stand up. You know, a stand-up can can say a lot of horrible shit, mm -hmm. but they're doing it because that's that's the role of the stand-up. You're meant yeah. to push the boundaries. You're meant to establish like where that line is that you don't cross, and you're we're meant to get as close as possible to it. 
but you're trying to make people laugh yeah. and you want people for a second like i just saw my you know my friend andrew schultz just did a comedy special in abu dhabi and he's like mm-hmm. ripping you know arabs and and their culture and and no one's ever had the balls to do that before but they loved it they laughed and they got involved and i think he was so taken aback by how people really bought into it but it's healthy to laugh yeah and i think so many people are you know uh, unable to be reflective or self-aware and maybe maybe they're embarrassed about who they are and what they do and they take it out on the people that shine light on it and i'm one of those people so you know if i'm making fun of girls that get paid to go on holiday a girl that gets paid to go on holiday is going to get pissed off at what i write and they blame it on me mm-hmm. and i'm like you do you like if you want to do that i'm not i'm not saying that that's bad i'm just shining a light on the fact that it happens and i'm making fun of it why not and i you know as much as i make fun of that i'll make fun of the guys that are paying yeah you know every no one is safe mm-hmm. i make fun of myself I make fun of people like you. I make fun of people like everyone. Mm-hmm. No, you know, it's not, if it was just focused on one type of person, that would be problematic. Because then it'd be like, you have an issue with those type of people. But I'd make fun of everybody. Make mm-hmm. fun of myself all the time. And I agree with you. And I think that you're funny because you are bold. I think you have to be. Yeah. You have to be. And I think you have to risk pissing people off. And and that's fine. You know, I've heard from I've heard from girls in the modeling business, like, oh, you know, I'm not allowed to follow you because my agent says it's bad to follow you. That's yeah, insane. yeah. I've heard that multiple times, and I'm like, that why? Does that even mean? And they said, oh, I don't know. My agent just said it's like not a good look for me to be following your account from my main page. Okay, what is this, Big Brother? Why are you being? Isn't that so... insane? But isn't that crazy though? Yeah, you, like live your life. That's interesting. No, but I but I wonder what what is their reasoning for that? Yeah, I have no idea. What well, is... you also have the Model Whisper account. Yeah, I don't really post on that much more anymore. But but like. Funny. But that was an interesting exercise. That yeah. was that was like me collaborating with the models to shine a light on the the weird crap that they get sent in their DMs. And it's funny. And yeah, and I would even get criticized for that. Yeah, and it's like this is so these are all real things that mm-hmm. girls have been sent. You're not making any of it up. You're just no. I think I got I got it. criticized. People told me that I was like you know glorifying the messages and like. It was just obviously not that we're I was, I was, I was making fun of all these messages and they were bizarre and sometimes like crossing the line. Um, but yeah, I look, you know, I, I, I really value the people that get it and that can have like a real conversation with me and are like, mm-hmm. oh, I really like what you do. And, and more often than not, it's positive feedback. Yeah. It just, you tend to remember some of the negative stuff, but I think some people just aren't, they just don't understand it and that's fine, but I wish they did more. You're just so well-spoken. Did you enjoy podcasting? I really did. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot and I would love to do it again and I will do it again because I like to talk, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, Same. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And um, but like we discussed off camera, I'm trying to figure out my my angle. The format of it all. And everything. Yeah, the format, the the intention, the approach. Like, I don't want to just jump into it and just start rambling on a microphone. Yeah. You know, like you have your thing and you have your subject matter and your technique. And and I want to just take time to refine that. Mm-hmm. And once I do, I'll, I'll start something. But I like, like I said to you, I see it more as a show yeah. than, a, than a podcast, like more like a talk show. Well, that's the fun part about podcasts because it's just self-produced yeah. TV show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, is there anything you would have done differently with the one that you did create? 
No, because that was just a bit of fun. That was not. You were learning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, no, I I don't really have regrets about content that I've made. Oh, it was yeah. and pe- and people actually gave me a lot of nice feedback on no, on, I listened on those to it. Episodes. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's definitely an appetite for it. I just need mm-hmm. to figure out the next, you know, format and then go for it again. Yeah, you have a great tone of voice as well. And I Thanks. noticed you've been DJing a lot lately. Yeah. I didn't even, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know that you produced music and you were part of a duo, Chaos. Yeah, I I started, uh, well, I, I went to music school like six years ago in London, a school called Point Blank. Um, and I learned, you know, electronic music production, sound engineering, sound design, all of that stuff. So I'm actually properly trained. Mm-hmm. And one of my courses was DJing. So I learned how to DJ there. And then, yeah, I started DJing in clubs in London and uh, for fun. And then I approached this friend of mine, an old friend of mine, and I said, he was an amazing musician. I said, would you, you know, make music with me? And we kind of formed this this duo. And he agreed. And so, yeah. And so we did Chaos for for the last um, four years, I guess. Um, you guys released, have released some music. And, you know, we had some great moments. We DJed Ushuaia last year, which was really an amazing moment. Um, you know, my friend had always wanted to DJ in Ibiza. And, and we played, like, obviously at one of the biggest venues in Ibiza, which was great. Huge. And uh, Martin Garrix is a good friend of mine. And he put us on his on his on his lineup for that night which is fun and we've released music on martin's label um not that that's like the genre of music that we're making but he was a good friend and he wanted to give us a chance we did a big remix for him that was the one you were talking about that got millions of streams yeah over two million streams on that one song so it was a song called fire by martin garrix and elderbrook okay great and we did the official remix for it Mm. uh and then we did a remix for diplo Um, did you do some with kaz james as well the remix for Kaz James mm-hmm. and Nick Morgan, who's so two good cool. friends of mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we had like varied varied success, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but all the feedback that we were getting was, "Oh, your music's amazing, but you have no followers." As chaos, how did you yeah. say? Yeah, chaos. Chaos. Chaos, because it was a combination of Gaia and chaos. Oh, cool! I thought you were trying to make a Greek spelling for chaos. I was like, "How clever!" Yeah, people would always say chaos, <laughs> yeah. but it was—it's cool though. The etymology was like we wanted it to be like Greco-Roman because my friend's Italian and I'm Greek, so we wanted it like ancient Greek and Latin. So we went for Gaia and and chaos. It's so. a good name. Yeah. Are you going to be focusing on music a little more in 2024? A lot. Really? Yeah, a lot more DJing. Uh, now getting back into the studio soon and trying to assemble a team to start making music. And that is going to be a very serious, like super snake project, like as a music artist. So you'll be releasing as super snake, not, yeah. uh, not chaos. And not as chaos for the moment, maybe again in the future, but he's still one of my best friends and we like to make music together. So maybe as super snake. Let's see. Well, you've eliminated that problem of the followers thing that people are saying. Well, that's the thing. I was like, let me just test it out. So I just started messaging friends of mine that own clubs. And I was like, can I come DJ a super snake? And all of them were like, yes, instantly. Wow. So, I mean, it's a pro and a con about the music industry is the fact that some of these places didn't even know I could DJ and they booked me. Whoa. Yeah, they had no idea. Like I, I arrived and they were like, wait, do you know how to play? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, it's insane. So it, it's just how it is. So much so, trust in you. I guess. I mean, it's, it's it's just how it is. I mean, I think these clubs are always concerned 
about can we sell tickets can we sell tables mm. and with me they see it as more of a safe bet because i have followers but mm. it's politics music it is industry politics. is politics yeah it's it numbers. is it is especially in in like the underground scene um so yeah I, I just thought why not use that why not use that follower base i already have um and then you know i can start using that network or using that platform to promote tracks and no, it's and, clever. And get bookings and whatever. And it's been it's it's been going well so far. So yeah, I have a um, lot of shows coming up. So I'm excited. Well, you can use the brand you've built to do anything now, which is incredible. And it all formed from passion and niche. Yeah. And so, Andreas, you're from the Metaxa Spirits family. Mm. And I know that your family sold the company to Diageo in 1989. But did you grow Good up? Good research. Thank you. Did you grow up wealthy? <laughs> Um, this is always a weird question for me because I don't know, but yes, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up like privileged in London, in London, but my, like I said before, my dad was living in Monaco. So, oh, right. yes, yes. so I was, yeah. I mean, we were always, always going there as a family. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in a, in a, you know, privileged way and uh and that's kind of like the lifestyle that i that i knew when i was young no i ask also because i read that you said you grew up like kind of a lonely kid so i was wondering if your parents mm. are out a lot busy working um i not i mean not necessarily my dad my dad was just not there he was because he was living in monaco so right, right, right. he was not living with us and then my mom my mom was there for sure and very present, but I was just, I was just a lonely kid anyway. Um, and that's just always how I've been. I liked being on my own and having alone time. And it, I think it took me time to grow up. Like I, I remember when I was 16, 17, friends would, you know, invite me out to go and have fun and drink and go to parties. And I was just not interested. Is that Which is ironic because yeah. people are like, that can't be you. And because they know me now as the way I'm now. And 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 I tell them, no, it's true. I was just I was very I think I was just I was a bit insecure and um I wasn't fully comfortable with myself and and so I would just hide away and just be alone. I am I'm very happily lonely. Are you happily yeah. lonely? At times, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important. I think I'm I'm very particular about who I spend my time with and as you should I, I like my my alone time. And I and I and I like to use it, you know, in a good way. Mm -hmm. I there's interesting stuff that I watch and yeah. I, you know, I'm not just like sat there looking at TikTok or Instagram all the time. <laughs> I, I actually like to do interesting stuff. You're like making memes. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> content so or I'm, kidding. but I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I like to watch stuff like Masterclass and, and interesting YouTube videos and like Diary of a CEO and stuff like that. Like I love success stories of, of successful people. Um, that is the sort of content that I like to watch. So you just like to spend time alone to learn. That's the way I am. Yeah. To learn. And then to like, look at football stuff. Yeah. That's like for Arsenal. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. Time. That's my team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, before you became a meme influencer, you had a lot of serious jobs. You were a sales <laughs> director, a brand acquisition consultant, a product oh development God. consultant, director of marketing, capital analyst, and a startup investor. Are you happy? That makes me sound like way more 
qualified than I actually was. But yes, those, those were all real titles that I had. Yeah, no, I, I saw your LinkedIn. And I, was, I was like, this man. Is it still there? I thought I deleted it. No, don't oh, it's delete there. it. It's no, I thought so I deleted it. It's like your history. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. It's cool. It shows like your Can I have some of that kombucha thing? Please. Thank you so much. I love um, that you like the flavor that I like. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I so I started off in finance and then I I worked in I guess tech. I worked for Bumble. Um Did you help start it? I wouldn't say I helped start it, but I was very early in. Um I think I was employee number six. Oh my god, so yes, you helped start it. <laughs> no, no, but that gives me too much credit. Okay. It was so so Whitney and the team started it mm -hmm. and then I was hired very early on. Um but I was hired, I was in London. So I was like technically in charge of like European marketing, but I was helping effectively with like worldwide marketing. But at the time we we're obviously operating in like in the US and the UK and that was it. Um, but that was a really fascinating experience, learned a lot. Um, and it's obviously like interesting to be part of a startup that became a unicorn. Huge. Um, yeah, cause the other startup that I was gonna join and I didn't also became a unicorn. So. Either way, it would have gone, would have gone fine. But I didn't. I didn't stay until it became a unicorn. But it was interesting to be part of, obviously, a company that had so much potential. Um, yeah, and then I worked mostly in the alcohol business and the liquor business, because I thought that was my destiny and I thought that was what I wanted to do. So I worked, um, you know, as a consultant or worked, worked for different brands. Um, yeah, so I was kind of all over the place. And then the startup investing is just, uh, you know, with like family money that I've just done. But No, well, I'm sure all those jobs helped you even with what you do now with Super Snake, even marketing. But are you happy with this kind of creative path you've chosen then? Or do you Very dream of so. your finance days? No, 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 not at all. I hated my finance days. I did like two years in finance and it was just not for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, think I found something that, that feels more in tune with, with my real self. And I, I was always pining to find something that I was good at. Yeah. And I, I was good at those other jobs, but I never sat there and thought, yeah, like marketing director is like what I was meant to be. The passion you know, wasn't I was there. like, oh, I'm good at some aspects of marketing, but yeah. it wasn't really me. But like, for instance, with, with this, with Super Snake, I love branding, marketing, yeah. you know, all those sides of it because I have, I have experience working in that field. But the real thing and the passion that I found was that I like to make people laugh and I like to write. So resonate with everything you said. Yeah. Whenever young people ask me for any kind of guidance, I say, start here. Write down what do you like and what are you good at? Mm. And then let's. But sometimes you don't them. know. Like I would have never, let's say back in like 2012, if you told me to do that, I would have never put, I'm good at writing. But I just took to it for granted. Things. But now, with hindsight, looking back, like mm -hmm. in my finance job, one of my main roles, which sounds bizarre, was I would rewrite the president and the CEO of the company's emails. So they would send me their email before it was going to be sent out and be like, rewrite this. So you were good at writing. Yeah. And that's I, why I have the two But lists. I didn't know at the time. I mean, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put that forward as, as a quality of mine. But I was that guy in the office. And then mm -hmm. presentations would be made and they'd be like, send it to Andreas and he'll redo the whole thing and make it sound better. Wow. So I was, I always had a way with words and, and I guess grammar and all this stuff. And, um, but you just, you, I mean, I, I didn't recognize it because I was like, this doesn't even seem like a quality. It just seems like a given for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's because when you have a good ed- education, you're just like, well, of course you have good grammar. Mm-hmm. But then I, you know, you get into the real world and you realize that the majority of people can't spell, they can't yeah. articulate, they can't write. So it is a quality. So yeah. It's so important to sit with yourself. Yeah. And have those reflective moments. Definitely. And I, I read that you're related to the Oscar-winning composer Evangelist Greek. Yeah, sadly, the late Evangelist. I'm he, so sorry. Yeah, he, yes, he died um, recently, sadly. Well, um, like he was the, did the original score for Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Which were two incredible pieces of work. And he also did, um, it was just a, 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 a great memory that I have when he was working on... Um, Alexander, the film with uh, with Colin Farrell and Angelina Jolie, and I remember when he was working on that film, and I would go into his studio, and I would see, I think someone from the production company was there, and they were just playing the scenes on the screen, and he was just writing to it live. Oh my goodness! And he would just say next, and he was just right, and I was just watching this like, oh my god, you know, so much talent, genius, complete genius. So yeah, growing, I mean, growing up with him was incredible. I lived, I lived with him and my sister for um, a year in Athens, and and obviously got to spend a lot of time with him. And we even did some music with him. Um, so it was really special. And yeah, and he won an Oscar for for Chariots of Fire. So I think that every, was very inspirational for me. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Um, okay. I just was excited to say that. I looked into Chariots of Fire and he created the Yeah, any slow motion scene ever. Yeah, that was him. Iconic. Iconic. It's it's one of, I think we were were having lunch or dinner at his house and someone from Sony was there and he was telling me it's one of, one of, if not the most licensed song ever. That's kind of what I was going to say. It's very, very well used in commercials and films and whatever so and and it became the slow motion song yeah so now any t- you even see it on tiktok now when there's totally. like a slow motion thing that mm-hmm. chariots of fire is playing so people that aren't familiar with the film i tell them like oh do you know chariots of fire and they're like no and then i'm like do you know they're like yeah of course so they all know the tune and the jingle it's it's iconic so yeah that was very you know transformational in my upbringing like seeing that oscar in his office it was crazy because it was like that's my that's my brother-in-law mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like a distant dream it was like oh he won it you know and obviously he was a genius but i would like i would like to win it for a different reason and so that inspired you to want to work in hollywood <laughs> i think now that now that i'm doing that i'm it, it's, it all seems to make sense it's all piecing together yeah but obviously the big dream is to win an oscar for sure for acting maybe for acting but i think more realistically for screenwriting incredible um but who knows yeah why not why not for acting but i think i think realistically i think my real talent is writing so i think it would be for writing Mm -hmm. but who knows and you know i read that you said that you're not necessarily trying to catalyze any sort of social change through your memes your content however you hope to raise awareness for the illness that you suffered are you comfortable talking about that yeah. No, I meant, I think, I, I think you maybe got that from another interview. I think I, I mean, I th- would like to use my platform yeah. to help in a positive way. And I think, I think, 
you know comedy is a positive thing yeah. but uh but yes if i can help to to raise awareness for the for the type of cancer that i had it would be um meaningful and fulfilling for me because yeah, a lot of people don't know that i suffered that so right and that prompted you to reveal yourself and start sharing who you were with the world right yeah i mean honestly the main reason i did it was because i hated hiding myself and wearing that mask and mm -hmm. it just didn't feel right and comfortable and i like acting so i wanted to do acting but yeah i think the the platform is the useful thing to be able to help with like testicular cancer awareness because it's the most prevalent cancer in young men and a lot of people just don't even know about it or don't even recognize it mm -hmm. and i think i've seen that in my friend group when, once i went through what i went through everyone was very concerned about checking themselves and telling telling their friends about it so Good. you know i saw that on a micro level with just my own you know immediate friend group how impactful it was so mm -hmm. i've always wanted to do something with with super snake to to raise awareness for that so i think i have to tell my story so people see this and and think to check themselves or tell their friends to check themselves or whatever it is because i had no i never even considered testicular cancer yeah so because you never think you're going to get it yourself it's like winning the lottery you're like oh, i'll never win it yeah same with cancer you're like i won't get that yeah and you were diagnosed in november of 2019 so yeah. right around the corner from the pandemic yeah talk about lonely like you're literally yeah it was really risk. bad timing i mean not that there's any good any good time to get cancer but i i remember i was like i think i I was like a month away from finishing chemo and then the uk announced lockdowns um in when it was april or something so i knew that i was like one month away from freedom per se or like just being able to like not be in the hospital every two weeks oh my goodness. and uh and then the pandemic hit and i was like everyone has to stay at home and then i couldn't see anybody for months because i had no immune system right like my immune system was at a critical level mm -hmm. um so the doctor said if you get exposed to this there's a chance you could be very very sick and and die so it was serious so yeah. i i had to shelter myself away for a good three months not seeing anybody um which was tough because obviously i'd just gone through like six months of chemo so it's like yeah. the last thing you want to do is isolate yourself more but yeah were your family was your family taking care of you my mom and my grandma and my brothers um were definitely very present and my friends um were fantastic yeah um so it was yeah it was really nice to see the support and the care and my mom was the biggest warrior because she was there for every single appointment, every single, everything. She was always there. So That's I have really to thank sweet. her very much for that. Yeah. Did you try out any like holistic treatments or did the chemo work really well for you? I was definitely tempted, but, you know, it's one thing advising somebody, but when you're, you know, going through it yourself, mm -hmm. you're very much like, I just want to. I don't know. You just want to trust in. I, I knew that, like, I, I, I have a feeling that the whole industry is corrupt. Um, however, when you've got the cancer yourself, and you're told by a doctor that if you do this chemo, you're ninety nine percent likely to to survive, you take that option. Absolutely. So as much as as much as I don't necessarily agree with, you know, big pharma and everything, mm -hmm. when you're when you're in that situation yourself, it's difficult to know what to do so you just kind of go with the tried and tested method and although it messed up a lot of my life it it worked 
So yeah, and as of May, I'm still here. Absolutely, and as of May of 2020, you were yeah. in remission, and then officially cancer-free in June 2021. You beat it. Yeah, yeah, I beat it. You're a warrior. Yeah, I'm on to like just once a year checkups now, which is great. Great. Um, so yeah, no, I mean it's um, it's a really weird it's a really weird process because you don't really know how to kind of deal with it, but you you just kind of have to go with what doctors say. But yeah, chemo was was very intense. As you can imagine. Do you think that maintaining like a positive mindset and like a strong will to survive helped you through it all, like helped achieve remission so quickly? Um, or were you kind of down? Of course I was down. Mm-hmm. I think I, I tried to present a brave face. Um, but you know, it's natural that you feel very down and very upset. And I think, I mean, I think there was an initial, you know, stage of like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And you just kind of personalize it and you just think you're this victim. But it was then replaced by just sadness. And um, because you're there stuck, stuck to a machine for hours and hours and hours and hours getting piped with this poison. It's painful. And it's not, it's not painful when you're receiving the chemo you're just it's effectively like an iv bag that's just going inside of you but um for like a good week to 10 days after it's it's the worst you could ever feel i mean it's really really bad you're reduced to the way i explain it to people is you feel like an old man you just can't do anything i couldn't i couldn't walk with the walk to the bathroom my mom had to carry me to the bathroom oh you just become from one week to the next you become you're a regular human to being completely useless you can't shower on your own you, i mean you can't do anything you're sick the whole time wow. so it's tough because i did that for you know six months so, so it was a long time and you have a lot of time to think and a lot of time when you're sat on your own and of course i had visitors as much as i could because it's important to have people there so you don't get lost in thoughts of negativity but of course you're alone a lot yeah and you know there were times like on you know on christmas day i had to go into hospital for a blood transfusion which was obviously very sad because everyone else is having christmas day and you're stuck in a hospital bed getting a blood transfusion which is not easy um and i don't know it gave me a lot of time to think and to and to stew and of course negativity enters the mind in that in that in that kind of moment but you try and fight away. And I, I would fight it with comedy and I would fight it with, you know, posting on my personal page about what I was going through and doing kind of like weekly updates for friends and, 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 you know, and my network on social media. Um, but I didn't post it on the, on super snake because I just, I don't know why it did. Yeah. It felt a little bit too personal. And also like people didn't really know me at that stage. I was still this kind of masked individual that no one really knew. So I just, it just didn't feel right. To then be like, well, look at me and I'm going through cancer. So it was tough because I would get like a lot of like abuse during that period from people on Super Snake. Like, oh, you haven't posted in two weeks. I'm done with you and all this shit. And I was like, wow, if only they knew what I was going through. Yeah. So that was tough. Um, or they would say, oh, this content shit. You're not funny anymore. And I'm like, they're like dying of chemo. Like, fuck, I'm just, I'm doing my best, you know? Yeah. But I couldn't say anything. So that was, that was tricky. 
um, to in, navigate that. In general, right now, I think there's a complete lack of empathy and compassion for other humans and what they're going through. Completely. And you see it when you're a creator on social media. Like, mm -hmm. I get abused all the time. Yeah. All the time in DMs and comments. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. People are really wild brutal brutal and and mean and like yeah. and and or you know what you have to do is kind of understand why someone would be in the headspace to write something like that and i think it's very difficult it's difficult to rationalize it yeah it's difficult you know and you you internalize it all the time you're like why are they saying that about me but it's more why are they writing that about anybody mm -hmm. what's they inside have, of them exactly yeah but yeah in the moment it's difficult like when you're told like you're shit or you're useless or yeah. this blows or whatever yeah you straight away like internalize it i think it's difficult not to yeah i, I dealt with a lot of that after america's lifestyle model but yeah for me I, it made me so much stronger for it that's like kind of one of the main reasons i'm not a big tiktoker i feel like everyone is so mean to each other on there i'm yeah. constantly deleting comments i'm like it doesn't even hurt my feelings. I'm just like, what inside you makes you want to hurt people? It's it's beyond me. Um, but do you think mm. that beating the cancer gave you like a new outlook on life? Did you come out of it like so? I don't know. I get this. I get asked this a lot, and I and I never know how to articulate it. I think. I think what it did was it shined a light on some friends and acquaintances. Made me understand who the real people were because okay. in, in a time of need you you get to see like who's really there for you so that was interesting and enlightening um and then i think it made me a little bit more impatient and wanting to like get stuff done and not waste time anymore but then obviously we went into a global pandemic for almost two years so it was like i'm full of motivation and it's like you can't do anything for two years so that was tricky i think that kind of like tapered off that initial feeling because i was like yeah. well no one in the world can do anything now mm -hmm. um but i don't know i'm not sure how it affects me on a day-to-day -day. i think it's um i still have like very sad moments like thinking about it and um reminiscing on times where i was really upset and lonely and i don't know i think it's um but it does make of course it makes you stronger i think how can it not mm -hmm. um but it's i think it's difficult for me to articulate in a sentence like what the experience did for me it was so deep and so nuanced and mm -hmm. so multi-layered that i don't know i think it's just i think it's important sometimes to go through trauma to be able to appreciate life more absolutely so not that i would wish that on anybody but you start to appreciate simple things absolutely well chaos breeds transformation yeah you know if everything stays the same and easy and comfortable you don't change it doesn't force you to change true do you have any uh, words of wisdom or advice for people battling cancer right now? Well, um, I would say there will be moments where you want to be alone and you because you're embarrassed about how you look or how you're feeling. But I think it's really important to have company, to have people there in the room with you. Because um, I felt that feeling like I was ashamed of how I looked. You know, I was bald and had no hair any, anymore on my body or whatever, like no eyebrows. And I've, you know, I was like, I'm, everyone knows I'm a cancer patient. I would walk out of the hospital and I think people were looking at me and mm -hmm. feeling sorry for me. And you, you, it makes you want to isolate. I think it's really important to have company around you. And then I found it very helpful to write about what I was going through. So I would do these, like I said, these weekly 
weekly slash monthly posts with like, you know, a picture and, and some words about what I've been going through, some updates. And I found that really helpful because the the reaction was always obviously overwhelmingly positive. People are like sending you nice messages and um, it makes you feel good. And I think you need that when you're going through something so tough. Um, and then other advice, I mean, if you're going through chemo, don't, don't eat foods you love when you're getting chemo because it makes you hate them. So that's one big piece of advice. I think those are all excellent pieces of advice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being brave and sharing your story with us. Of course. I'm always, always willing to do that. Yeah. I, I really hope that it helps anybody badly. Me too. Well, I have a few last questions that I just have been like burning me. Do you ever worry about being canceled? No. I like that. Strong. No, because I have like a lot of conviction in what I do and believe in what I do. And I know it's an art form which is dying out, but Chappelle has mm -hmm. been tested. Mm -hmm. All of my, a lot of my heroes, Sasha Baron Cohen, all these different people have been tested and People have tried to cancel them and it doesn't work. So they came back I, stronger. Well, I just believe there's always going to be an audience mm -hmm. for the type of content that I make. And I couldn't care less if I'm not, you know, Disney level of fame and whatever, because do I want that audience anyway? Mm -hmm. Do I want a woke audience? No. <laughs> so I'm just not interested in them. Yeah. Is the meme world competitive? Like between all these other accounts? Fuck Jerry um, and things. I honestly no. It's like it's actually very collaborative, and um, people are very willing to help you and work with you. And I've never, I haven't found it competitive. It's actually been very refreshing. Anytime I reach out to an account, I've actually made a lot of friends through through Super Snake, like in the meme world. Like I have a lot of big meme accounts that have become friends of mine, and they're really helpful and we love to help each other and introduce each other to different people if we if they need it or if, if i need it so no i don't really feel that because at the end of the day like you're just everyone is competing for attention so whether you're a meme page or a musician or a tv producer or whatever it is or an actor or you're competing for attention so everyone's technically in competition with each other any creative yeah but i so, like that you champion each other yeah i think it's important because collaboration is i mean i i love collaborating with people mm -hmm. so when i make a meme with like liquidity or something or whoever i i really enjoy the process it helps it's, you build the it's fun exactly mm -hmm. and like and i think if you respect each other's work it's fine mm -hmm. it, the problem is when you don't respect what the other person does then you just don't want to collaborate with them but totally. it's it's not often that, that happens so it's good shall we do some rapid fire sure yay on wow. that note how's that booch the booch is good. I think I finished my little bottle. Do you so. want some of mine? No. <laughs> let's not let's not go you too crazy. You wanted to say yes so bad. Let's not go too crazy. He wanted to say yes, I could tell. Okay. What are you addicted to? YouTube. Interesting. That's a first. People people are very surprised, but I use YouTube and Twitter slash X more than any other thing i don't like looking at instagram i hate tiktok yeah i use snapchat for the filters i'm on on youtube <laughs> on youtube and twitter so girly all the time because because what i really care about is like learning and then arsenal 
Yep. So like football content and learning I like that. is what I do most of the time. I'm not like sat scrolling through stupid videos. Mm-hmm. Just not interested. You sound like a good dad. And on that note, <laughs> do you want to well, settle down and have a family? Yeah. You sure. do? Yeah. Soon? Depends what soon means, but I don't know. I mean, I think you never you n- yeah. never know when it's going to happen. But, but yes, I'm very open to meeting someone great and having kids one day. That's so sweet. Yeah. I just love, love. My heart's like fluttering. So yeah. happy to hear that. Of course. What's your favorite genre of music? That's that's tough. I can't name one. I I love uh, I love hip hop. I love house. I love techno. I love. I love I love like some rock mm-hmm. like I was raised on classic rock by my mom and my grandma that got me into like you know the who Rolling Stones Led Zeppelin um Pink Floyd mm-hmm. all of that stuff so yeah I'll listen to whatever and then sometimes I'm in a mood to listen to like Tame Impala and it just depends Oh my god I just got so excited about this uh would the Super Snake ever make music that's not like house yeah really yeah eventually yeah that's exciting Spe- especially hip-hop like i've dabbled in hip-hop production would you you would rap <laughs> i don't know if i would rap but i would love to like make beats i mean i've i've made i've made a ton of beats oh as a producer yeah me and my my music partner we've made like hundreds of beats and we tried to make it in hip-hop and we tried we <laughs> we didn't get there but we we had we had some really interesting sessions with like with like big music labels like i went to i went to travis scott's label cactus jack mm-hmm. and like had a session where i was like playing them my beats that's so cool which is crazy they're like was, who is this white boy yeah that was very much that vibe but it was we, we were trying to do like super snake as a hip-hop producer cool and um i had a lot of cool meetings like i met with like interscope and capital and cactus jack and all these different people and did sessions with them in la like no one knows about it now now they do but um everything you do you do at such a high level no it was it was really it was really fun because i love hip-hop i've always been obsessed with hip-hop and i thought it was very on brand to try that and uh yeah they liked the beats but just didn't go anywhere but i sent my beats to drake to Mm. big sean tiger like everybody i tried i tried no i think time i think once the profile raises more, then I might try that again. Mm, I'm excited. But it was fun. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Right now, I have to say LA. And you're moving here. Yep. We can't wait to have you. Let's. If the US gives me a visa, then yes. You got to let the slutty snake in. Let me in. If you could pick a different career path, what would it be? Footballer. Really? Yeah. Do you Do you play? I play, but I'm not. I'm not very good. I'm, I'm like You're okay. Too tall. <laughs> I probably. I'm, I'm like okay, but that's. If I could be anything in life, that would it would be that. That's so cool. Like play for my team. That would be crazy. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest dream ever. But it's just it's not realistic. But yeah. okay, you can be a fan. Yeah. What are you most proud of? God, this is not quick fire. Mm. Um. It's tough. I would like to say something personal, but if, but like just off the top of my head, I think I'm proud that I created a brand out of nothing. Like I created a brand with zero capital. And I think that's very rare. Mm-hmm. Like 
my a successful brand as well. I mean, I, it, it's like a brand that's like earning me a living. And I did that with zero, zero money. Mm-hmm. I put zero dollars into this. Mm-hmm. Haven't taken money from anybody, from family, from friends, from investors, zero. And I'm making a living. So it's, I think that's quite rare. Mm-hmm. I think it's not normal. And I think that's one of the benefits of social media. So I'm proud that I, that I built something out of zero. I guess. Absolutely. And in my opinion, that's success. Surviving and thriving and happy, that is success. Yes. What would you say to your younger self? To lonely Andreas? <laughs> oh, God. Don't cry. What do you mean? I don't know. I used to be very... I used to cry a lot and just be, like, very isolated. And I would... Because I think I was, like insecure about who I was and how I looked and all these different things. And I would just, I, th- I wish the little version of me could see the grown up version and be like, oh, I'm going to turn out okay. So. What do you mean the way you looked? Did, were, were there people saying that you were ugly? Not, not that I was ugly, but I was like, I was, I don't know. You just, I, I went to boarding school. I went to boarding school. It's very mean. It's, mm-hmm. you have to learn to grow up re- really fast. You're like thrown into this environment. I was, I, I was, Started boarding school when I was 13 and you're, you're a kid, you're a baby mm-hmm. and you're surrounded by 18 year olds because the oldest guys in the school are 18 and you grow up real fast. You get bullied, you get, so yeah, it was a very difficult time. And I, I was just, bullies. I was just, I wasn't sure about, I was awkward. I didn't know who, who I was. I wasn't sure of myself. Um, so I wish I could just show the younger version like how I turned out and just be like, mm-hmm. don't worry, it's going to be okay. Not that I'm like this amazing guy, but like no, but you just, are. just, you know, I wish I could say like, you're going to, you'll get to the stage where you're very content with yourself. And I think that's like the biggest battle for anybody is just mm-hmm. like learning to love yourself and who you are. Yeah. It's like the classic story. If I knew then what I know now. Well, in hindsight, they yeah. were jealous. I hate bullies. I think bullies are the yeah. scum of our society. So they mean. Are. And they make sad adults. I hate yeah. bullies. Yeah. I was very much like the, the bullied kid and not the bully for sure. Yeah. It's always the bullied kids that turn out to be successful and the bullies absolutely do nothing. So I li- I'd much rather be in the nerd than the bully. Absolutely. I search high and I mean, what is it? I search far and wide for nerds yeah the resilient ones that have brains mm-hmm. what's most important to you now most important in my life um like i don't know it's tough to say family friends and arsenal <laughs> i'm being totally honest no i like it i wanted yeah. you to be honest yeah it's a real passion mm-hmm. i mean it's always different to everyone what new projects are you most excited to share with the world? I don't think I have anything like to announce, but the my TV projects are very yeah. exciting. The three shows. Yeah, the three shows and just like getting more involved in that world and, mm-hmm. and wanting to like really get in there and, and make my name. That's what excites me the most because I, I feel like that's how I can, you know, get my art in front of more people mm-hmm. and my tone of voice because social media is just boring now yeah we need bigger platforms i'm excited for your hip-hop career little slither yeah i i mean i won't tell you the hip-hop name that we chose but no way what 
we, <laughs> we we chose the like production name pretty pythons that's fun i don't know why we chose it but that's what we went for pretty um, pythons yeah if you say it fast it's kind of sassy it's pretty pythons yeah well we had like we had a, an american girlfriend of ours do the like our producer tag so she oh, cool. made it sound really sexy cool so it was like pretty pythons mm -hmm. um but yeah it might we might like start that again one day but it was really fun yeah Andreas, you are so fun to spend time with and get to know. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for your fearless review of society. And thank you for making us laugh. Of course, I will keep doing it as long as I can. We need you. Very important. We need you. <laughs>